How's it dudes and welcome to Ramcast, the podcast that is coming to you from a very windy Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, for those of you that have lived in Cape Town or do live in Cape Town, you know that after winter and after spring, I should say, when we get closer to summertime, which is where we are now, the southeaster comes to visit in Cape Town and she blows, she blows very strong. And I live in uh, Lakeside in Cape Town, which is... Uh, is near to the coast, it's near to Musenberg, and I'm right at the foot of a mountain, and the wind just whips around, and yeah, we <laughs> we call it Hurricane Lakeside, because it's just continuously windy all the time. But especially at this little magic time, from about October to January, like, it, it really bombs here, it bombs. On today's episode, we're going to be looking at nostalgia, the wonderful little concept of looking or longing for the past, or if you want the Oxford Dictionary description of it, a sentimental longing or wistful affection for a period in the past. So nearly had it on the money there. But before we get into today's topic, we're going to first jump into a little segment I like to call It's the best, it's the best, it's the best of the week! And before I actually get into the best of the week, got to make a special shout out to young Mr. Daniel Enticott, who does those voices for the best of the week. <laughs> and why I got to make a special mention is because on this day of recording, it is his birthday. So happy birthday, Mr. Daniel. Old Joe Pubic will have you on the show shortly, my friend. Have a great one. But now to the actual topic of best of the week. Um, if this is your first time here, the best of the week is a concept where I look back at the last seven days and instead Instead of focusing on the negativity or the shit that's happened in my life, I try to find one positive nugget, one thing that stands out from the rest that I can focus on and get some positivity and focus on that one thing that was the best for me. And it just gives you a bit of hope. It gives you a bit of positivity and it makes you feel good. So my best of the week this week has to go to Cyberpunk 2077. In particular, the DLC for Cyberpunk 2077, which is called Phantom Liberty. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a... Do we call them video games anymore? Do we call them video games? I don't know. Computer games, video games, I don't know. It's a game on PS5 that I've got that takes place in this cyberpunky world of the future. And it had a rough launch and it's had issues. But now the game is in this incredible state and it, it's just amazing. And they released this DLC for it. Oh, and it's got Keanu Reeves in it, by the by. And I finished it uh, yesterday, the DLC. And it was absolutely amazing. And it, it's such an immersive experience. Keanu is at his absolute best as Johnny fucking Silverhand, who, when I was at Comic-Con, I actually met a guy dressed up as Johnny Silverhand, and I got a photo with him. It was really nice, him and his girlfriend. Shout out to you, dudes. But yeah, Cyberpunk, I had this moment in Cyberpunk yesterday when I was playing it, where, and I don't want to get into spoilers, because I know some mates that are busy playing it, so don't want to say anything, but there was a particular moment that happened, or a piece of dialogue, which served as the inspiration for this episode in a weird kind of a way, because I actually wasn't planning on doing an episode this week, and the reason for that was, uh, last week I released two episodes in one week as a kind of an experiment. I released the normal Ramcast episode, and then a special Star Wars episode, mainly because I just wanted to see if it could be done, and the effects and everything, and how, you know, what kind Kind of toll it would take on me and it is actually a little bit too much at the moment to release two episodes in one week for me because as most of you know this podcast is a side hustle for me 
I've got my regular job, which I do during the day. You know, it's not quite nine to five. It's more like seven to six. But anyway, and um, yeah, I do this after hours. So this is recording late at night or on weekends or any little bit of time that I can get. And, you know, that's writing the copy. That's coming up with the ideas. It's the artwork. It's everything. It's all the, you know, focusing on the analytics and seeing how it's done. And one of the things that I wanted to do with the double episode was just to see if it would kick up user engagement, what the analytics were. Would look like and the two episodes did incredibly well but the amount of work that goes into that it just doesn't at the moment justify doing two so I thought maybe anyway I went on a bit of a tangent there but to get back to it I thought let me just take this week off because I did two last week so you know fair enough I can take a week off but then this piece of dialogue happened in cyberpunk and I'll talk about it just now there's a nice little South African saying for our international uh, listeners just now is a period of time which I can't even explain it. It's somewhere in the future. <laughs> South Africans know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I digress. There was this piece of dialogue in um, in Cyberpunk that just hit me and it just it sparked something. And I was like, that's what I want to talk about in today's episode. And that's we'll, what we'll get into after this. So Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, you were my best of the week. Now onto the actual topic of today's episode of Ramcast. We're going into the concept of nostalgia or actually the thing or actually the power and problem of nostalgia or the power and pitfalls of nostalgia, if you will. And where this kind of stemmed from is, as I mentioned earlier, I was playing Cyberpunk 2077 and not to spoil things. Don't worry, Chris and Terrence, I'm not spoiling it. You get to this point in the DLC where you have this conversation with this character and this character says to you, in kind of these words, this is not quite, you know, verbatim. They talk about when something is in your past, you need to let it go and don't go looking for it again. Don't dive back into your past because the thing won't be the same again. And that got me thinking because... Obviously, the, like I said, no spoilers, the DLC does get quite emotional at times and whatever. And I left after the ending and everything feeling quite introspective and, you know, just thinking a lot, which I actually normally do a bit too much. But anyway, and, ah, you know, I was messing around with some stuff and looking at some old videos of like video stores and blockbusters and that type of thing. And I decided, let me put on Predator because... As everyone knows, Predator is the greatest romantic film of all time. I watch it every Valentine's Day. Always. Never miss it. Valentine's Day. Predator. Bella Pizza. That's the way for the single man. But anyway. And as I'm watching Predator, I start thinking about nostalgia, but also nostalgia as it applies to films. I was thinking to myself, why does this film have such a nostalgic grip attached to it for me? And I realized that because of my age or because of when I was born in the mid 80s and grew up loving 80s cinema and 90s cinema, it's because my generation is attached to that time. And it's like a concept that I'd like to call the golden hour, not the golden shower. That's a very different concept. But the golden hour and well, magic hour, which is actually a very particular thing in photography and cinematography. You can go look that up. It's really interesting. But this golden hour or this golden time where as you're growing up, there's a period between eight years old and 18 years old. There's this 10 year period where you're just absorbing information and you're trying to work out who you want to be and nine times out of ten i'm not saying this is always the case this is just my theory but the films and particularly the music that you watch and listen to at that time is 
hard baked into you. It becomes a part of you. And hence, later on, you become nostalgic for it because of that time period. So that's why when I'm chatting to anybody my kind of age, they always go for that 80s, 90s kind of, particularly 90s flavor, because that's when they were formulating themselves. Now, like I said, there's a double-edged sword. There's a positive and a negative to this. The positive is nostalgia can be a form of comfort, if you will. If you're having a bad time and you need to go back to that place that was very special for you where, you know, the world wasn't so complicated and things were a little bit more innocent. Of course, something from that time frame is going to give you that feeling again. And that's the positive of it. The negative of it is when you start to create ownership with art in terms of nostalgia. And what I mean by that is when you start saying things like they don't make anything good anymore, which I'm sure you've heard time and time again from your parents, even from yourself, like they don't make things like they used to, or nothing's ever been the same since that period. Okay. This mystical period where everything was amazing, which actually doesn't exist. It's just a weird consequence of your memory because memory is very fallible. This is what people forget to realize. And while this has been occurring for generations upon generations where the older generation will tell the younger generation, no, your stuff is crap and my stuff was better. And this has been going on and on and on and on forever and ever and ever and ever. We are in a strange kind of time now at the moment with the internet and social media and everything where this kind of thing has almost been politicized in a way. And it's all got to do with change because change goes hand in hand with nostalgia, I feel. And I have a big issue with change. I've got to be honest with you guys. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I like things to stay the way they are, which is quite strange because actually 90% of my creative power and drive and successes have come because of the result of forced change. So work that one out, psychologist. But what I mean where it's been politicized is where, you know, and this will probably get me in a little bit of hot water with people, but you know, fuck it, just deal with it, guys. Where some stuff will be seen as, oh, that's very woke, or no, that's very libtard, or no, they pandering to this, or they pandering to that, or whatever. Stop it, okay? Stop it. That is just nonsense. It's just different. That's all it is. You're just not understanding it because you're a little bit older and you're stuck in your ways. So, what I was talking about before where I like, I don't like change. Obviously, I struggled with certain changes and things and diversification and what have you when it came to cinema, when it came to video games or when it came to whatever art, you know, I'm taking in. But through a little bit of introspection and just thinking a little bit and not being so fucking influenced by some idiot video on YouTube or some other wanker podcast. Think for yourself and think, what is that really, what's really going on there? Why am I upset about this? Why is somebody else telling me that I need to be upset about this? Just think about it a little bit. Is it just because the stuff is now not being made for me? Okay, it's being made for a broader audience. And I don't know how to dial into that. I don't know how to accept the change. I don't know where to find my place in the change. All I'm seeing it as is a negative or as something that needs to be fought against. And this is where it ties back into the kind of the pitfalls of nostalgia, because that nostalgia now will now be almost used as a bit of a weapon. Like, look at stuff now, but you love the stuff back in. Why don't they make the stuff like it was back then? Because that was made for people back then in that time period. Like the 60s and 70s, 
your parents will say that was the most amazing time or whatever and that's what they really identify with and they thought in the 90s everyone went to hell and they were losing their minds which brings me also into another thing this is a bit of a rambly episode by the way the youth of today don't worry about them they're going to be just fine they're okay don't worry about their little septum rings they're okay in fact they're probably going to be way more empathetic and way more better than the generation that came before them that's what i feel deep down in my heart but now stepping away from the culture warry side of nostalgia and change let's look at how nostalgia has been used in cinema in particular the last 10 years in positive ways and in negative ways because it's a very fine tightrope that that studios and directors have to walk on when it comes to this kind of thing so looking at the last 10 years the two films that jump up straight away when you look at this concept is Star Wars the Force Awakens and Jurassic World two films that have baked into them an enormous audience and needed to get that audience back after having quote-unquote sequels or prequels that were viewed as inferior to the original product which i've dived into my star wars episode so i'm not going to rehash here but that is the general consensus that happened in the wider public or critical sphere if you want but now these films were kind of viewed as a return to form, if you will. And the way that they went around it and the technique that they used is... And I love The Force Awakens to death, okay? But I can still watch it and say this is the case. Where The Force Awakens and Jurassic World follow the same template as the original film that they are homaging or rebooting, if you will, or bringing forth to a new audience. You look at Force Awakens, where it's a MacGuffin. There's a journey to find something that inside a droid on a desert planet and there's a dark lord chasing after it where you have to find an old wizened character to take you along for the journey in the original star wars it's obi-wan kenobi in force awakens it's han solo and then you know ends with where you got to blow up a giant planet-sized thing that has a really big laser same jurassic world it's a tourist attraction where two kids are in danger and the adults need to go find them and you know there's stampedes and there's a t-rex at the end and it's and it's following the same pattern but the reason for that is because it's touching on that nostalgia built inside of you while adding new characters while bringing you into a new world if you will of that particular franchise so that in my mind is actually nostalgia done well and that's in the case of a quote-unquote reboot that's where you reinvigorating a franchise by paying a homage to the previous characters putting them kind of in the same sandbox that you remember them being in or the same storylines but then pushing it out into a new realm i quite like that the pitfalls of nostalgia is when you get other films and other things where something is just shown to you just to be nostalgic there is no justification for the character to be there or there's no justification for event to happen or something of that that is the poor use of nostalgia in a film or in a story if you will but now let's move away from the kind of hyper analytical cinema critique thing and let's move into the nice warm waters of nostalgia i want to go into a couple of films that give me that warm and fuzzies from nostalgia i've made a small list here and i'm not going to go too in depth for them and i'll say what they are but also i'd love for you guys where you're listening after i say these films think about films that make you incredibly nostalgic that give that kind of warm and fuzzy feeling and get a hold of me somewhere 
Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yes, we're on TikTok now. And let me know. Let me know what are the films that give you the warm and fuzzies. What are the films that make you deeply nostalgic for your kind of childhood she 8 to 18 era that I spoke about earlier? So the films I've got in this list, and I did it really, really quickly, but when I see the covers of these films, it, it takes me back. One is Inner Space with Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, and Meg Ryan, where Dennis Quaid is in this tiny, tiny, tiny little ship that goes inside Martin Short's body, and all sorts of hilarity ensues. Great little film. I believe Spielberg produced it, and I just remember it came on a lot on television when I was a kid, and I watched it many, many, many times. That and Short Circuit. I was obsessed with building Johnny Five. Like, to this day, I would still love to build that robot in Lego. Actually, maybe that's something I must get Terrence to do. I'll get him to build me a Johnny Five in Lego. That sounds like a plan. Now, the film Cool Runnings. I mean, I think everybody my age loves that film. We're from Jamaica. We have a bobsled team. Hey, Shankar, you're dead. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just there. It's just there. Another great one which makes everybody cry, batteries not included. If you don't have a tear with the little baby robot, alien robot thing, there's something wrong with you. And then two weird ones for me was small soldiers where these little toys come to life and like start attacking. I have vague memories of it, but more the cover. And I think there was a PS1 game as well of it. I think I might be wrong. And then Theodore Rex, which is something that I rented all the time from the video stores. And it's this weird film with Whippy Goldberg and a T-Rex. And they're both cops. No idea. Bad film that's incredibly nostalgic for me. You bet your ass. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Ramcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at UncleRamZA. So that's at U-N-C-L-E-R-A-M-Z-A on Instagram and TikTok now. Yes, I'm jumping into the TikTok I'm I'm on the social media with the use. It's lit. I'm shipping it. I'm trying to learn the lingo, guys. I'm trying to learn the lingos. But before I go, let me leave you with this quote from Star Wars The Phantom Menace and from the character who is criminally underrated, which is Shami Skywalker. And this comes from the scene where Anakin Skywalker has been freed as a slave by Qui-Gon Jinn. And Shami, who is Anakin's mother, is saying goodbye to him. And Anakin has a problem with change, much like me, which I spoke about earlier in the episode, which really becomes a problem two movies later on. And Shami has this beautiful quote that she says to Anakin, which goes, You can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. And just think about that a little bit, and think about it in terms of nostalgia, change moving forward. Maybe you've got a weird thing happening in your life that is making you feel uncomfortable and you don't like the change of it. Don't worry, that will change too. Thanks guys. Have a great week. Peace.